Hey, I'm Andy Chanley from 88.5 FM, and you are watching another one of our Here at Home teleconference interviews, this time with They Might Be Giants. I had a hunch I'd be joined by someone named John, and I was right. Uh, John Linnell joins us. How you doing, John? I'm good. Are, are we videoing this? <laughs> I, I would have shaved if I'd, if I'd only known. I, 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 I'd do a lot of things if, if I thought it would help, yeah. I look really good on the radio. Normally, but... Yeah, people have always told me I... Uh, uh, I have a, a face for radio and a voice for newsprint. So, uh, hey, your new album, Book, comes out uh, just a, a couple of weeks as we're taping this, November 12th, if my info is correct. Uh, it's uh, your 23rd studio album? Yeah, I think that's right. We we um, we encountered the same delay that all of your household goods have owing to the the uh, long line at the port of Los Angeles uh of, of which included a, a shipping container filled with our new album, but uh, apparently it's it's here. It's in America. Now. These are coming in from Peru, somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so this album is uh, on the way. You're taking pre-orders on your website. Um, they might be giants.com, right? That is that is the way to find us. Um, you can actually just write "They might be giants" into uh, uh, on a piece of paper and throw it out the window and. <laughs> And that might work. Um, <laughs> see if that you know, see if that also helps. Um, it's it's it's. There's a lot of ways to find us, but yes, it is the amazing. single you've been hearing on 88.5 FM is "I Can't Remember the Dream." Uh, it sounds just like uh, the vintage. They might be giants. Um, I, the album is called Book. I don't want to jump to conclusions, <laughs> but there's a book of, involved here as well. There is a book, and you can buy the book, and it's it's. I think it's worth the money, but obviously you might just want the, uh, the recordings, uh, just to enjoy. Um, we, I guess, we live in an age when things seem so ephemeral. You know, when I was a kid, you used to buy an album, and it was an object you could hold in your hands. And uh, John and I are both uh, nostalgic for that time, so we made a, a book. Uh, that's the size of a, a vinyl LP, uh, 12 inches by 12 inches, but it's a thick hardcover book, and it has beautiful uh, f art photography by a gentleman named Brian Carlson that accompanies lyrics, um, which have been lovingly typeset on an ancient IBM Selectric typewriter, and uh, it's a really nice thing for your coffee table. Um, and then, of course, it contains the uh, new They Might Be Giants album as well, which is called Book. Nice. Uh, I, I want to go back. I, I remember uh, this is my first time talking to you. I remember the first time <clears throat> I heard They Might Be Giants music. I was the managing editor of the college newspaper at Purdue. And I go into the copy setting uh, room, the, the, the copy editing room, and uh, there typesetting the next day's edition was this really cute girl. And she's playing this record on the, the, the jam box that's over in the corner. And after a while... I look up and I'm like, what in God's name are you listening to? It was the first time I had heard They Might Be Giants. But as a testament to your music, 32 years later, I can't tell you her name uh, or exactly what she looked like, hmm. but I still remember these songs. Uh, they go. have a way of, of, of working their way uh, into, into one's brain. Um, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's told you uh, that, that sort of, of discovery story of They Might Be Giants. Um, 
actually that girl was me. So um, I, I, I vividly remember the whole thing. And uh, but I'm I'm still I'm pleased that you uh, that you remember the the album and the music and uh, and and really who cares about interpersonal uh, connections when we live in a world of art and music. Just shows your devotion to your fan base going around one at a time to proselytize about the band. Yes, yes, Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> uh, everybody uh, uh, that's just getting an introduction to you right now uh, is uh, surely aware of your sense of humor as something that pervades your music uh, and also the, the intellectualism. And there's always been uh, a real smartness to the music that you make. Um, some people what? think we're, uh, we're too dumb and some people think we're too smart, you know, uh, we can't, can't please everybody. Sorry, you're about to ask something. Oh, no, it, it's... It, it speaks to the question when you met John and you got, what was the conversation like? Because your music is so idiosyncratic between, you know, together. What was the conversation like between the two of you of, yes, that's the kind of music I want to make. Oh, Wait, how, well, how did, you know, I don't think we, we weren't really either one of us uh, focused on doing music. When we met, we met in, uh, in probably, I think I was in the, I'm guessing I was in the eighth grade and he was in the seventh grade. And we, I, I remember talking to him in the school library in Lincoln, Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, he was just this curious kid who had all these ideas and, and wanted, and for some reason knew who I was and wanted to talk about stuff. And I thought he was sort of a pest at the time, but then I, I started to realize like, he's actually an interesting person. And we both went to the same high school and, uh, we uh, worked on the high school newspaper together, and gradually, um, and I, I think I was playing piano by that time, and John started playing uh, guitar, and uh, he was m mainly interested in recording at that time. That was kind of his focus, was was playing with tape recorders, and uh, music was still kind of in the background. But I think gradually we kind of felt like, yeah, we, 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 we like all sorts of things, but we like doing creative work, and we had a bunch of friends who were interested in all kinds of things um to do with uh the arts i guess and uh and various i mean we both drew cartoons a lot as as well i guess uh yeah so i mean we just gradually became friends and then uh, sometime after uh, sometime when John was was still in college but was was doing work study, we both wound up in New York City, and that's when we kind of began this project together. So that's the very early '80s, yeah. That's when we started doing the Might Be Giants. Yes, yes. It, it was pretty magical time. Uh, the late '80s and early '90s. Uh, late '80s is when I got into radio and and started seeing this this turn towards. Um, modern rock, you know, alternative music becoming mainstream. And uh, it was really, I bet, a great time to be a band. But um, it was interesting to me that a band with such a cult following as They Might Be Giants were could sell four million albums. I mean, you mm -hmm. have this very devoted fan base that it seems like there was a confluence of of circumstances that really yeah. made that possible. Exactly, confluence is the right word uh, for that. That what happened because you know we were actually when we first got interested in music, uh, everybody called it underground rock. Uh, the the thing that would probably have categorized what we were interested in, and then uh, alternative came a little bit later as an idea. But 
Um, we were unaware when we started that there was a thing called college radio, and that was something that kind of boosted us up. You know, when we we made two indie albums in the '80s, and uh, we became aware of the idea of college radio because we were being played on college radio. And um, then, yeah, eventually we got in 1990. We got a deal with Electra Records, and uh, that was. Um, just an incredibly lucky moment for us because it happened exactly at the right time for us to kind of, you know, we made our third album, which everybody seems to think is the most, um, uh, the, the most lovable of our, our albums, um, I guess. Uh, Flood. Flood, yeah. And um, and that one uh, took off partly on the strength of the record and also because we had this massive corporation uh, promoting us and launching us out of a cannon. Uh, so that was, um, that was really lucky, you know, and oh, the other thing was MTV came along uh, right. and, and we were, we were sort of like these oddball uh, uh, people who had snuck in the side door uh, to MTV. We were being played alongside stuff that was much more mainstream. The, the interesting thing too, to me is that a lot of, probably the vast majority of people who know your music don't know they know your music. Of people that watched Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, and I, I don't you know. Did, yeah, you did I a theme song the, for that. I, I don't know what the uh, the exact breakdown is, but um, yeah, that was certainly popular. And I would say uh, at least half the people. Um, I have no idea what the actual proportion is, but a bunch of people who saw that show didn't know it was us. Some people did apparently, and similarly with the Daily Show and a bunch of John Stewart. Yeah, were, the dogs on yeah. fire. Na 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 na. Yeah, na, yeah. Now na, na, that was actually. I have a curious uh, question. You just uh, made me think of uh, that was written by Bob Mould, right? Correct. Yes. And then you guys recorded it. Yeah. Uh, so now it was altered for Trevor Noah. And slowed down for, uh, you know, sampled, I guess, somewhat for his show. Yeah. Uh, who yeah. gets the check for that? Uh, we, we don't, unfortunately. And and, it, and, and it's a little, I, you, you've reached, you touched a slightly sore point because I, I feel like it, it's still kind of our recording. But I don't know what, I don't know whether, I don't know what Bob Mould's deal is with the whole thing. We, ju we just covered his version that he had done for the previous uh, you know, uh, Craig uh, Craig Kilborn, I guess, was yeah, the yeah. host of uh, the original one, and you know, we did we did a sort of more more of a big band version for John Stewart, uh, and I never spoke to John, to Bob Mould about it, so I don't know whether he was how much money he was raking in from that. We did, I mean, we never got rich off of the Daily Show, but it was we kind of felt like it was a good resume item for us mainly, um, and that was like sixteen years of getting getting that um, played. So, you know, we did, yeah, we started doing a lot of commercial work like that around that time, around around the year 2000, I guess. Yeah. Um, and we did a lot of different projects. You know, basically, we were kind of old enough and confident enough by that time to feel like we're not going to be big sellouts if we do other ads for Dunkin' Donuts. If, in addition to uh, They Might Be Giants, uh, you know, it that's, just seemed like... That's the thing about it. The music is... It, there's such a, an uh, an intellect to it and 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 a, uh, a sense of humor to it that you get a pass, I think, for all of that because everybody just imagines that when you're doing that, you're doing it tongue in cheek and, and having a, a good time with it. And yeah, I mean, I, I it's it also seems as if the concept of selling out has sort of faded 
for younger people now. And I think we were much more uptight about that kind of thing when we were coming up. The idea that you'd be compromised by getting by doing stuff for money, you know, by getting getting uh, doing mercenary work would uh, would infect your artistic vision. Uh, and you know, I I don't know if that's necessarily not the case, but it's definitely something people younger people don't seem to be as worried about. And I'm not even sure why exactly. Um, but yeah, we we kind of felt. I guess we mainly felt like we'd established ourselves after 15 years of of uh, being us without doing anything aside from our work for adults that we could branch out and do all kinds of things. Um, and uh, yeah, that stuff that, changes after a while, the, the opinions on that. You know, you go back to the Louisiana hayrides in the fifties the and Johnny Cash is doing, you know, plugging the local donut shop and stuff. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, so it, 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 it was only a, a recent thing where, uh, you know, Marlon Brando, you know, in the fifties the and sixties and seventies wouldn't do uh, commercials, but later on, man, bring it on, you know, uh, yeah, the, yeah, anybody yeah. would do a commercial for anything. That's a really good point. I guess that there was a pre period before, I guess before we were born, where where everybody, no matter their artistic integrity, was willing to shill for a product, and that was just considered part of the part of the gig. And you see, like, um, you know, Woody Guthrie doing ads for like some, you know, uh, I don't know what, um, yeah. but he, but like a lot of a lot of people you think of as unassailably. Um, uh, cred, you know, integrity acts uh, were were perfectly happy to do that, and so maybe there was a period in the 1960s through the 70s where it it was suddenly considered suspect, and now now we're probably more back to the old yeah thing, yeah for sure. Um, well, I would imagine that with uh, you know uh, being able to write things that are concise and smart and fun. That you'll be able to do, there'll be a marketplace for for those kinds of things, whether it be uh, you know the Disney uh, uh, projects or or you know other uh, more commercial things, um, until you can't hold an accordion anymore. Yes, <laughs> yes, that w- that day will come. Um, yeah, yeah. We actually have been talking about that because because I mean I'm I'm still I can still lift the accordion. I I went from a 21 pound accordion when I was a youngster to a. Uh, one that's probably closer to 15 pounds, because uh, I realized like going through an entire show with this massive thing strapped <laughs> to me, well, you know, I could do it, but it was just exhausting and it probably uh, Im- did not impact the show well. Uh, so I, um, I'm taking it a little bit easier on myself now. <laughs> My uh, back but- couldn't take that. That's yeah. incredible. Uh, <laughs> you play accordion, um, so I'm going to guess that, and you kind of said it earlier, but uh, is piano your first instrument? Well, actually, my first instrument was a snare drum that was a hand-me-down from uh, my brother. I just was learning how to do play along to the drum rolls on the Banana Splits theme song. I think when I was <laughs> when I was like ten years old, and then um, and then we had a piano in the house, and I gradually moved over to that. And it seemed like a lot of the a lot of the people who liked what I liked were f- gravitating towards the guitar, and so I think I kind of. I kind of at the time was thinking, well, I can't compete with that crowd, so I'm just going to focus on the keyboard just because that'll be my thing. And then in high school, I started playing woodwinds, probably for the same reason. I was like, nobody else wants to play this stupid clarinet, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be the guy who does that, you know. 
And then clarinet leads, to, as you may know, leads to saxophone. It's a, it's a gateway drug. Um, so that's, those became my, my, my main instruments, keyboards, woodwinds. And John Flesberg, luckily for me, uh, became a guitarist. I just uh, found a fun fact from uh, Stuart Copeland the other day. Uh, he told me that uh, if you're uh, just learning an instrument, learn French horn. You can get into Harvard because nobody wants to play French horn. It's like you get your ticket stamp to get into Harvard. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. Good idea. Uh, tra la la, la 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 la. Tra la is banana yes. splits. We as, had the same as, childhood. I'm, I'm, as, I'm pretty. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. As Bob so, Marley, uh, Bob Marley covered it in, in uh, whatever that was, <laughs> Buffalo Soldier. I, I can't remember. I think that must be it. Uh, if not for music, if music didn't exist, what would your occupation be to you? Right. Um, I don't know. I might, I might, well, what I was doing, what John and I were both were doing was uh, audiovisual stuff when we first um, were, we were first gigging, but not making enough to live on. And um, we did a lot of freelance work in New York. I worked in a dark room and John was doing uh, paste up for magazines and he had actually gotten an art degree. So he was kind of more qualified, but um I don't know. The, the, the problem is those jobs don't exist anymore because everything, this was all pre-computers. You know, I was working with a giant stat camera, uh, which is this massive, you know, camera that points at a platter on uh, that's on, you know, on the ground and you take pictures of artwork. And that was my, that was my job for a long time. Uh, that obviously that's gone. Yeah. Um, and paste up is all done on computers. Um, so well, I don't know. We'd, I'm sure we'd be we'd be staring at uh, computer screens, wh whatever it is, if if we were employed, uh, you know, or 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 you know, or making lattes. I I, I don't know. <laughs> what would you be doing, Andy? I, you oh, uh, uh, fifteen to twenty at Corcoran, probably. I, I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I started out in um, mechanical engineering at Purdue. I'm pretty sure I would have killed myself by now. That is uh, probably a wiser choice, though, right? I mean, yeah, that would, be, that would be a that would be a stronger yeah. foundation. Yeah, I, um, I'd, I'd have a nicer house, yeah. um, and I'd have the rest of my body. Right now, I'm just a floating head. It looks like on the screen here. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> so you're going to play the Wiltern Theater uh, finally. The show originally scheduled for a year ago, uh, October 2020, and then rescheduled for this last June. Now, finally, it's going to happen on April 29th, 2022. Yes. What, what can fans? And newcomers expect. We um, we are doing a tour that we were meant to do this year, which absurdly was the 30th anniversary of our Flood album. So we we're <laughs> originally going to be playing a lot of songs from Flood, and I, I think we probably still will. Uh, but now, now because time has elapsed, we've got a new album out. So we'll be promoting that as well. And um, generally our show is just not to completely disappoint old timers and people who don't care about what we're doing anymore, but liked us back in the day. We do a lot of material from the old days. We do a certain amount of um, promoting of what's current. And then we also just play deep catalog to please the uh, people in the very front row who are obsessed with the most obscure uh, material. Um, so, you know, we try completely mix it up, try and try and please everybody, which nice. I'm sure is impossible. But. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I, mean, I think everybody would go home happy from that one. Uh, once again, <laughs> the uh, the new album book comes out on November 12th. 
Um, the song we're playing on the radio right now is uh, I Can't Remember the Dream. Uh, and then there is also a book, which, uh, just shooting from the hip here, I think should have been named Album. Well, I guess the, I guess so. It would make, it would make sense. You know, Alba, ABBA had, a, had an album called The Album, and then they came out with a movie called The Movie. So those are taken. So obviously we'd have to just flip the script somehow. And, You're just uh, doing your best with what's left. We'll, yeah. make, a, we'll make a movie <laughs> called, called the, Not a Movie or something. Yeah. John Linnell, uh, it's been fun uh, getting to know you a little bit. Thanks for your time and uh, and thanks for the music. Um, next time you're you're in Los Angeles, maybe you can uh, pop by and and uh, we can have some music in person. Oh, I hope so. That would be that would be great. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Right. yeah. John Linnell on eighty eight five FM.